Yo, Chad, what if I told you there's a platform that could completely revolutionize your hiring strategy in a matter of hours? Yeah, I'd call bullshit. Well, it's not bullshit with AI for jobs powered by our friends at This Way Global. Okay, I'm listening. Uh, While everyone else is fishing in the same old talent pools, AI for Jobs can source over 160 million diverse candidate profiles. This Way Global has established unique partnerships with over 8,500 trusted diversity partners. So wait a minute. All of the hard on-the-ground work is already done. That's right, Cowboy. You can discover 300 qualified candidates per job rack instantly. Wow. It's like having a candidate sourcing magic wand. (laughs) Dude, if you had a magic wand, you would have Mexican pizzas all day. Mm. Uh, Stop distracting me, Sowash. AI for Jobs Advanced Matching Algorithm analyzes past applicants using trillions of historical matching events and over 1,600 data points. Now that is what AI should be doing, saving recruiters time on sourcing while they provide a white glove candidate experience. Let's wrap this shit up. I'm hungry. Listen up, kids. Revolutionize your hiring process today by jumping over to thiswayglobal.com and checking out AI for Jobs, where you can learn more about how to leverage AI for your recruiting instead of just writing poems and grocery lists. That is thiswayglobal.com. We out. Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. It's the all-indie interview today, kids. Welcome once again. You are listening to the Chad and Cheese Podcast. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman, joined as always by Chad Sowash Esquire. Chad, how are you? And today we are honored to have Kelly Lavin, SVP of Talent at Sponsor Jobvite. Kelly from Indianapolis, I'm assuming. How are you? That is correct, and I am great. I'm uh, very excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Excellent. Well, well, we have a lot to cover. So give us kind of a bio tweet on you and tell us a little bit about the survey that we're going to be talking about today. Sure. Um, so a little bit about me. Um, I am, as you said, SVP of talent at Jobvite. I have been in the talent space for over 20 years. I have uh, just previous to Jobvite, I was on the um, founding team of Canvas. That's gocanvas.io, people. Yes. I love the applause. Thank you. A Chad and Cheese favorite. (laughs) And I actually took a career diversion during that uh, adventure and I I ran customer success. So it was a short two-year journey and then we were acquired by um, Jobvite. (laughs) And um, we um, have been kind of running fast ever since. And then previous to that, I've just been in other technology companies, media, 
manufacturing all over the HR You've space. You've been following Amon Brar around your whole career. Let's be honest. Yeah, I mean, it kind of feels <laughs> like it. I don't. I kind of don't remember a time when I wasn't working with him. Nice, nice. Well, tell us about the survey that you guys recently did here. That I think you do every year, actually. Yep, it is um, something that Jobvite does every year. Um, we surveyed a little over 800 U.S.-based HR professionals and recruiters, and um, this year's survey we also added a you know several questions just based on. And the changing times and all of the all of the disruption that COVID has presented, and um, definitely had some interesting results that I'm super excited to chat through with you all. So we've seen some big flips, and I mean, we we, we always want to talk about trends. Everybody wants to know what's happening in a year like 2020. Nobody knows what the hell is happening. So I think the trend section for me, the difference between 2017 to today, when you have a non-COVID, uh, obviously doing whatever we've done over the years versus lockdown 2020, what were some of the biggest downturns and then upturns? Yeah. So um, kind of biggest biggest downturns, we, we saw a decrease in growing the talent pipeline, which was very fascinating. It went, went from 52% to 22%, which was a huge dive down. And so yeah. that was a that was one that was that was really interesting to me. The other one that was was a downward trend that I thought was really fascinating was improving time to hire. And I, I definitely have some some thoughts around that one because my own team and I have been discussing that, but I think that that's going to be an interesting yeah. one to dig into for sure. Let's dig into let's dig into that real quick. We're, yeah. we're here. Let's do it. Let's uh, do so it. Your, your your perspective. I mean, you actually do this in in the time to hire. Obviously, isn't as important. Uh, at least this year, is that because we're not doing as much hiring? Is it just that simple? You know, I think it might be a little bit more complicated than that. You okay. know, for, for for my own team, you know, and this kind of couples with one of the biggest upward trends, and that's in diversity hiring. I think with, you know, 2020, we've had a lot of events happen that have opened our eyes and I think really helped to evolve the way that we're thinking about hiring. And and I think that if you if you look at time to hire, which I've traditionally had as one of my main metrics, it is in kind of direct opposition to really trying to improve the diversity of your team. And so you kind of have to manage both for sure. But I do think that if you're going to try to reach different types of people and really broaden your outreach, that that time to hire isn't going to be the metric that's going to drive that. What do you guys think? I love hearing that from you because when we actually spoke with Douglas Atkin, uh, who used to work with Airbnb, they said they took many months to hire their very first engineer who was not one of the founders. And they took much longer than they should have because they had to find the right person. And what this sounds like is the same kind of line of thinking is that we have to find the right person, the right people to be able to dig into a culture that we want to create for our current employees and our future employees. Is that, mm -hmm. is that what you're feeling? Definitely. Um, and I think like if you're going to try to drive behavior change, you have to look at how those metrics are going to impact the behavior, right? So if you're telling your recruiters, hey, you got to fill this position, this is your number one metric, we got to do it 
fast, it's not going to help you really talk to more candidates and really get the right people in the door. So, so Kelly, there's a little bit of a, I guess, contradictory uh, findings on the report. So we're talking about culture being one of the main reasons why time to hire uh, hasn't been as important. Mm -hmm. However, if I'm reading this right, uh, in terms of cultural ad Mm -hmm. as being a priority for recruiters, uh, according to your survey, you had um, 83% of recruiters in 2017 said that cultural ad was important, but only 27% in 2020 said that a cultural ad was important. Ouch. So is it culture or is it <laughs> quality and, and the, the skill sets of the folks that, that were that we're interviewing and hiring. Because to me, it sounds like if you go from 83% to 27%, yeah. I mean, I don't want to say employment brand is dead, yeah. but good God, that's a big that's a big decline. What do you read into that, that, uh, that data? Yeah, you know, so I think it really depends upon your definition of culture, right? And I, I think like, I feel like there might be a little bit of a crisis of like culture going on in terms of, are we hiring people to fit into a mold or are we hiring people to be additive to a culture? And and so it kind of depends upon your definition of culture. I absolutely agree with you. That statistic stood out to me most definitely. And, And I think like the fear that I have is that people think that, you know, if you're hiring for a culture fit, it doesn't need to be as important in this remote world. And Mm-hmm. I would I would disagree if you're thinking about culture being kind of like a collection of you know values and the things that you that you do to drive the business forward. Mm-hmm. So I think that it really depends upon how you look at culture versus how you look at quality of hire. Um, and so I think for for some organizations, culture fit has traditionally meant like hiring people that fit into a mold. And I think that's the thing that we're trying to move away from. And how much does a work from home reality come into play with culture fit? Is it less important when everyone is, you know, working from home? Is that maybe why there was such a decline in the importance of cultural ad? Well, I fear that that's where it's going, but I think, I think it's harder remote. Like when we're remote, it's harder to, figure out kind of how to instill those cultural values within the workforce and within your organization. But I still think it's important. It's just we don't have it all figured out yet because this is such a different world that we're living in than we were a year ago. Right. Well, let's let's jump back to growing the talent pipeline. Now, I can understand that people aren't looking to grow the talent pipeline because there's there are only so many jobs available and there are many more applicants coming in and flowing in. Totally get that. But my question to you is, are companies starting to understand that they really don't need to grow their talent pipeline as much because they do have a pretty deep resume database as it is? And some organizations like Jobvite have actually invested in matching technology. So instead of going out and buying the same candidates over and over and over, quote unquote, growing the talent pipeline, you're using what you already have and you you are more you're you're working on what you've already invested on, which is talent in your database. I think that that is absolutely something that traditionally we've not been great at doing in recruiting. And I do know that there's been a major emphasis on figuring out 
how do you leverage this current database of candidates and how do you invest in longer term relationships with your candidates, um, especially your silver medalist candidates? So your runner ups or the, you know, the group of people that you that you didn't end up hiring, but you ultimately really liked. Um, you know, I, I do think that it shows that there's a little bit of a longer term focus. But I also think a lot of the data in this report shows that there's been a lot of stuff happening that has really created a lot of kind of rethinking of everything as we're as we're recruiting, right? And so I, I do think that all of those things that you said, I completely agree. And, and I think that as recruiters, if we're thinking about building our talent pipeline, we should be looking at, you know, like the, the pipeline we've already built first and foremost. But I do also think that we have a lot of recruiting teams that have been downsized and they're kind of mm-hmm. getting back to basics and trying to figure out what is the, what is the most that I can do with, with what we have right now. I think um, in terms of some of the upward, trend, upward trends that you guys focus on, um, obviously the one that we talk a lot about on the show, automation and AI um, was, was one of the big ones. Robots, and, baby. And, yes. I, and I look at you know two of, the, two of the big things that you talk about in the survey um, at the beginning is number one, fuckers are stressed out. Like there's incredibly yeah. high levels of stress in recruiting and you have uh, a decline in headcount yeah. um, of about a third, which to me feeds right into, hey, I need some help yeah. with with what I'm doing. And AI fits right into that. Talk about sort of your take on on how AI works and how people are using it, because you guys talk about that in the survey as well. I think AI is an amazing supplement to help recruiters get back to doing the the thing that they love to do and and get away from the things that I would say that a lot of recruiters feel like are just the parts of the job that they have to do, like sifting through resumes, like, um, you know, screening people to make sure that you have the right skill set, etc. And, and I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, recruiters have to be really smart about how to integrate technology into their work. And, and, and I think just based on a lot of the recruiters that, that I'm talking to anecdotally, I think a lot of recruiters have been left during this crisis, you know, behind the curve a little bit. And, and I think that the recruiters who have embraced technology and maybe their teams have been downsized a little bit, I think that they're going to be in a better position to recover um, because they've embraced that technology. I, I don't think that the best scenario is for it all to be technology because I think like that the human to human connection matters so much in the recruiting experience for, for candidates. Yep. Um, but, but I think that you do have to use technology to automate, you know, especially at the top of the funnel where you're trying to like automate screening of candidates. What about those things like going back and forth with candidates that you're trying to schedule interviews for? Like you absolutely should be automating that part of it. So it's like, I always like when I was at Canvas talking about how to utilize our bots and that type of thing, I would always say like, think about those things that are not super value added to making your job meaningful. Um, And Think about that how to sucked. put technology into that. Yeah, it sucks. So I, I love that you mentioned the human side of it. And one of the one of the the survey data points that really stuck out to me was that seventy seven percent of recruiters prefer to interview in person or do things face to face. 
but but one half of them do video interviewing. So to me, it seems like there's a, a little bit of a disconnect with I'd rather not be doing video interviewing, but I kind of have to. When we get out of, get out of the pandemic, are we going to get away from video recruiting? Um, because according to the survey, you said forty uh, percent believe that virtual interviews will be the default going forward. So, how do you reconcile like we want to be face to face, but sorry, we're going to have to start doing this in video yeah. in the future? Well, hey, so I think like myself included, one of the coolest things to be able to do and to be able to provide for a candidate is an in-person experience to be able to walk through the office and, you know, see how people are interacting and, you know, be able to, you know, just get the feel for kind of how your business looks and feels and your culture and all of that good stuff. Ideally, I mean, that's, that's one of the tools that you can use to help to bring a candidate into the process and to help them to lean in a little bit, right? So that's ideal. But the the not ideal part of the face-to-face, let's say we get out of this pandemic and the vaccine is widely administered and we're, we're back to in office. I think one of the things that we've learned through this process is A, we have the capability to do it. It, in some instances, can be a little bit more efficient. And most importantly, it broadens our ability to be able to build a more diverse workforce and it opens up other locations. And so if I'm thinking about finding someone with a very specific technical skill set, now my talent pool is a little bit broader now that I know that we have the ability and we've Unfortunately, you know, had to to build this muscle through through no choice, but I think through necessity, we've had to build this muscle of being able to virtually recruit, onboard, etc. And so, I think recruiters are smart to flex that muscle. Sometimes that that doesn't mean that the in office culture isn't going to be beneficial. And I think a lot of, especially extroverts would say that, you know, like they can't wait to get back to that. But I I do think that there are benefits on both sides of it. COVID, no question, has forced us out of a 1950s stamp the time clock mentality. We Mm -hmm. do have options. We can be more flexible. And hopefully uh, we understand autonomy actually means a lot more. And in more companies, I think that actually consume this kind of data and they understand that uh, and, and they they really embrace uh, an opportunity to be more flexible, they're going to have an opportunity to have better talent. And that being said, in the upward trends, the direct applications went up uh, about 8%. So companies who are looking to actually focus their recruitment investment and shift that investment to direct applications. So instead of using the Indeeds of the world, instead of using uh, you know, some of these other job sites and whatnot, and even possibly programmatic advertising, how do they do that? Do they... Do they hope that platforms like Jobvite do great job on partnering and SEO? How does that actually, how do they shift into more direct applications? My feeling is that it comes from em- employment branding um, and building kind of direct relationships with candidates through broad social media outreach. And, you know, I think that really, really smart, forward thinking organizations are thinking about recruiting like marketers do like you know just in traditional marketing and you're you're thinking about how do you reach applicants directly 
um, through kind of the content that you're pushing out about who you are, what you do, how you treat your employees, you know, how you yeah. interact with the world. And, and I think like, I mean, I started doing this, you know, years ago, I, I would find brands that I just became fans of their employment brand. And I think that that's becoming more and more the way that a lot of companies are actually connecting with their applicants. Um, I think that they're finding mm -hmm. that there are new ways to do that. And then it, it you kind of start developing a relationship that, with them in the same way that consumers meet each other through social media. You you find commonality and then you you end up connecting and following each other. Having an employee who has a TikTok channel with uh, 1.5 million subscribers is a good <laughs> yeah. thing is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very fascinated by this this whole TikTok movement, honestly, because um, I, I, I don't have a TikTok uh -huh. account personally. And, you know. Oh, you're missing out, Kelly. I know. You're missing out. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I deserve the buzzer for that one. We'll get back to the interview in a minute. But first, we have a question for Andy Katz, COO of Next. Andy, for clients that are sort of married to email and a little hesitant to text messaging, what would you tell them? That text messaging is part of any integrated strategy. There's not one size fits all for anybody. Job seekers opt in to different forms of communication, whether it's with Next or anybody else. They might want to receive email. They might want to receive SMS. They might want to receive target retargeting on their desktops. So it's one piece of an overall puzzle. For more information, go to hiring.next.com. Remember, that's Next with the double X, not the triple X. Hiring.next.com. Okay, listener, how can you help your employees become more productive? I have answers. How about automating manual and repetitive tasks, giving meaning to data, then allowing that data to actually drive decisions? And how about matching people to your jobs quicker? Well, wait, the Chat and Cheese has a new LLM? No, Cheeseman, I'm talking about TextKernel. Ah, okay, that makes more sense. What I'm hearing is the groundbreaking concept of, wait for it, yeah, simplicity. <laughs> seriously, though, seriously. Text kernel cuts through the complexities like a tortilla chip through some hot nacho cheese. Oh, my God. Really? Nacho references already. Anyways, Text kernel uh. brings efficiency and productivity to your operations. Text kernel seamlessly unifies your tools and data to drive efficiencies and success. TextKernel is creating new opportunities for your recruitment journey, kind of like adding guac to my barbacoa burrito. Oh, my God. How about extracting meaningful insights from data? I mean, that, that's something. Swiftly matching yeah. people with jobs, automating repetitive tasks. Who knew such advanced concepts were even possible in the land of human resources? Uh, we did, Chad. We did. Dude, wrap it up. I'm a little hungry. Imagine that. Uh, okay, listener, get ready to use today's tech to drive efficiencies and productivity. Visit textkernel.com. That's T-E-X-T-K-E-R-N-E-L.com. Mmm, nachos. <laughs> 
You know, I think though that recruiters who think about kind of how how the world consumes content and meets their mm-hmm. candidates in you know the way that the the world is consuming content, you know, namely TikTok or Instagram or whatever else it might be. I think they're really smart to be doing that and I think they're smart to be thinking about like 30 second recorded snippets over video and, um, you know, being able to, you know, let people all over the world meet their employees and see mm-hmm. their diversity and all of that stuff. And, and, and I, I do think that even though I'm not as progressive personally, um, <laughs> on social media, clearly, <laughs> um, because I'm not cool enough to have TikTok, I, I do think that it is oh, super smart. <laughs> Bill has TikTok, so it's, you're definitely cool enough to have TikTok, Kelly. Don't, it's, don't, it, don't play yourself down like that. It's okay, Kelly, because my my line of questioning next is about MySpace, so we can no! we can get up. I got to say that. Nice. No, so so let's 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 dig into social here for a little bit. So according to the survey, seventy eight percent of your respondents said that their investment in social media uh, will be increasing in twenty twenty one. Um, we mentioned TikTok and Snapchat. Seven uh, percent say that they're using TikTok. Thirteen percent say Snapchat. Um, one, I'm curious: Are they advertising? Do you think, or are they simply connecting? Uh, or are they creating stupid videos on these sites? So that's sort of one of my questions. But one of the things that really struck me as as notable was LinkedIn usage. For recruiters of your survey, uh, decreased twenty yeah. percent from 2017. I think it's it's went from ninety seven percent use it in 2017, and that's down to seventy seven percent. So I'm yeah. really curious your thoughts on why LinkedIn um, is seeing a twenty percent decline, and then maybe secondarily. How are people using TikTok and Snap currently to recruit? You know, I think we we all have a bucket of time, right? Um, and a bucket of energy. And I would say that, you know, if, if you're going to start and a bucket of money, a bucket of money, some buckets are bigger than others. And, yep. yes. and yes. I would say that, you know, a, you know, LinkedIn is kind of tried and true for a lot of recruiters. You can see like, you know, percentage wise, it's still pretty high, but I would say that mm-hmm. as recruiters start to think about how to reach candidates that maybe are not as represented on LinkedIn or, you know, they, they may want to try to broaden their candidate pool. Of course, some of the time and money that's going to be moving away from LinkedIn, you know, that, that's going to move towards those others is going to move away from LinkedIn, right? I also know that, you know, there are certain people who don't do the LinkedIn thing, but could be an amazing candidate, an amazing employee. And so I think you do, as a recruiter, you have to be smart about diversifying that. And and I would also say that um, other methods of being able to display your content, it's really interesting. You know, if you think about these growing social media platforms, and like I mentioned before, the way we consume content, it's, you know, in visual short snippets, etc. And, and I would argue that like, that is one of the best ways to get candidates to lean in is to really think about, you know, how how does your marketing team market your services and are, are they pushing out like really consumable content, you know, that's approachable and that kind of gives them a peek inside virtually into into what your culture looks like. 
some of the other platforms are much more compelling to do that. Like if you think about, yeah. you know, Instagram and you think about TikTok, I mean, I, I don't have an account, but I, I do know what it is. It, it, I think like, <laughs> I'm not that uncool. But, but, you know, I think like we become obsessed with those types of platforms because the content is really compelling, right? And so why would you not want to push out compelling content about your employment brand and be where a lot of people are? So do you think that basically time, money, energy, et cetera, is moving a little bit away from LinkedIn into other social platforms? Is that sort of what you're... That's, You're you know, that's my thought. Um, okay. You know, I I think for some of this data, you you'd have to dig in, you know, a little bit more with focus groups and that type of thing to really get to a really deep level of understanding. Yeah. But you know, I think it's really smart for recruiting teams to be utilizing other other platforms as well as LinkedIn. Yeah. So uh, talking about other platforms, and you guys spoke briefly about. I don't want to say the death of job boards, but how there's their usage has gone down. However, according to your survey, and this this really popped out to me as well, is that job board investment um, is going to increase uh, to 34 percent this year, up from 29 percent in 2017. I would have guessed the opposite. Yeah. Um, what do you what sort of your take on that? What exactly is a job board? Um, is this only specific kinds like LinkedIn, Indeed, or is this sort of a broad investment across a lot of job boards um, that would certainly surprise me? But I'm curious your take on the the job board increase. I like you, am, I don't completely understand that response. What I can glean from it logically is that there are candidates. You know, if you think about like your D DNI hiring. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the ways that you can try to broaden your outreach is to find job boards that maybe traditional candidates wouldn't, you know, necessarily be on. You know, it, it can be maybe like a targeted strategy for trying yeah. to increase the diversity of your workforce. That's like the where my logic kind of ends because I, I do feel like <laughs> <laughs> like the modern I'm glad to know you're as confused yeah, by that as I am. Yeah, I do good. feel that's like good. the modern recruiting function should really be embracing the mindset of a marketer, you know, and and yeah. really building their candidate database that way. But when you think about DNI efforts, that's where I would say, you know, it is smarter to try to broaden your outreach proactively in, in some of those job boards that may not be as commonplace. Yeah. Just trying to find the job boards who are really yeah. diversity types of, they don't just have yeah. it in their name. They no. actually have diverse candidates. That's the yeah. hardest thing it's in the true. world, right? Yeah, it's true. It's like and, and outcomes. We're, it's all, all about outcomes. And we're not as sophisticated as the, at this as we should be, right? Like, I mean, I yes. think we're, we're way yeah. behind. And, and yeah. I do think that there's a lot of education that is happening right now that's going to be happening in the next couple of years. And a lot of opportunities, I think, for recruiting teams to become better at this. But I think we are, I would say most companies are are much further behind in terms of knowing how to do this and how to reach diverse candidates than, than they should be. Yeah. 1969, we put a man on the moon. We still don't know how to do this. It tells us yeah. where our priorities are. Yeah. Uh, it says 33% of recruiters though, I think on a good note, and, and I might just be, you know, uh, Pollyannish about this, but 33% of recruiters report that job seekers are inquiring about 
about D&I initiatives more than they did the previous year. So from my yeah. standpoint, this this is a lot about what you talked about before. It's about that brand element. It's yes. about what does the organization stand for? And yes. 33% is a pretty pretty big number, especially over the, the year over year. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, I think that if you, you know, if you think about the way that candidates are looking at their future employer, it is so much different than it was 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Really, really smart companies and really, really smart recruiting teams understand the implications around how not only, you know, they operate as a business, but how they interact with their communities and how they, you know, give back to their communities, how they, how they hire people. It's like, if you think about someone having their own personal values and, you know, thinking about what's important to them, it used to be that it was like, I would go find a job somewhere and it didn't Mm -hmm. need that company's like values didn't need to align with my own personal values. And those days are completely gone. You know, candidates are looking at, okay, how have you treated your employees during this pandemic? Mm -hmm. How are you trying to make an effort to increase the diversity of your workforce? How are you interacting with and giving back to your communities what types of benefits are you providing, you know, from a mental health support standpoint, from a being able to provide family planning services to giving your employees days off to vote? All of those things, I think, have shown that we have this major shift going on. And it's been happening for a number of years, but it's really, really prevalent now that I think like candidates really care about what their employers stand for and how they're how they're really exhibiting their values and and how they're actually showing the world that they care about, you know, making the world a better place. And so I think you can't you can't ignore those types of things um, because it, it every candidate, you know, it, it's very important to nowadays. Mm-hmm. So, so we talk about caring, Kelly, but yes. I want to end on this. There, there are a lot of people that don't give a shit. Your, your survey <laughs> talks about ghosting. Yes. <laughs> For those who don't know, this is when you get ignored yes. uh, by a candidate. Now, uh, forget the fact that employers have been ghosting candidates for decades. Yeah, uh, we, won't get oh, it. Yeah. we won't get into that. But yeah. according to your survey, uh, 56% of recruiters have been ghosted. Yeah. Um, and the larger companies have a bigger problem with this. Mm-hmm. What is your take on on that? And and when I read this, I, I thought about uh, Amon Brar's, uh, your CEO's comment uh, when he was running Canvas, that text messaging was, quote, anti-ghosting magic. Mm-hmm. So I want you to talk a bit, a bit about the problem and what your take is and why bigger companies are suffering. Yeah. And then maybe solutions-wise, if, if a recruiter is listening to this podcast, what, what can they do to beat back ghosting? Yeah, ghosting. I have to say, like when 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 that first happened to me many years ago, I was like, "What in the world?" Like, I don't understand this at all. But you know, I think when you take a step back, you have to think about you know the the choice about where you're going to work is a huge choice. It involves 
logic. It involves emotion. Um, and your families are often involved. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. you're, you're not just negotiating with a candidate, but you're also negotiating with their significant other. And at any given time, a candidate can be pulled into another direction emotionally after they've accepted a position. Right. And so I think that you know, the the whole magic around texting and that type of thing is really around like, how do you utilize technology interwoven with like your relationship with the candidate to make sure that that candidate feels cared for all the way up until the time that they're starting their job. So, you know, are you once the candidate has accepted a lot of companies will say, okay, we got them locked down, you know, like we'll, we'll see them in two weeks, but really smart teams will say, okay, during those two weeks, that's like a time when there's going to be a lot going on with that candidate emotionally. So they're going to feel pulled in a lot of different directions. They notify their current employer. Sometimes the fight is on with the current employer trying to convince them to change their mind. Um, and so to the extent that you can start to help that candidate feel engaged during that time between offer and start, you have to do that. You have to send text messages to them, let them know how much you're looking forward to them, you know, starting, have other team members do that, you know, utilize as many tools as you possibly can between that offer acceptance to that start to be able to get that candidate to continue to lean in. So are are big companies failing at that more or because my impression is that, you know, oh, I got an offer from a big company, like a a well-known brand. I can brag to my friends and my family (laughs) that I'm interviewing. I I would think that big companies would have less ghosting. What's your take on that? You know, the other thing that I can think of there is that it it could be that the candidate, you know, may, A, feel like, well, it's a big company. They have a lot of resources. Like, it's not that big of a deal if I change my mind. It could also be that, you know, in a bigger company, you're a little bit further removed, you know, from your immediate team. And it could Mm -hmm. be that they're just not engaging and leaning in as much. Like, I I think like that, those are the only things that I can really think of that maybe they don't, they don't want to go through the 18 interview process of 68 hours (laughs) to maybe not get the job. It could be too. Yeah. It's maybe a little bit less white glove. And so I think big companies would be smart to figure out how to make it feel more white glove in terms of their candidate experience versus like that, you know, big company, I have to fill out all of these forms and I have to cross over all of the, I have to do all this work just to get in the door for the first day. So I think all of those things could be, could be something that are part of that. Love it. Yes. So that's Kelly Lavin, everyone, SVP of talent over at Jobbyte. Kelly, if people want to connect with you, if they want to find out more about the report, where would you send them? Um, I would send them over to jobbyte.com and to um, kind of check out our site. I'm on there. My socials are linked on the leadership page. Um, and then you can also get to the report right from jobbyte.com. And soon you'll have TikTok link on there. You can watch <laughs> Kelly doing, doing her TikTok. Does, Kelly. Does, <laughs> give me some does Jobbyte have a TikTok? It, does Jobbyte have a TikTok is the question. I need to check into this. <laughs> We're calling Jeff Roars right now. Yes. Oh, can you see? Can you see Jeff? Having a TikTok? I mean, come on. Okay. I want to see Jeff doing the robot on TikTok (laughs) immediately. (laughs) Love it.
Chad, another one in the books. We love it. We, we out. out. I'm Rory from Scotland, the country which brought you electricity. Thank you for listening to podcast with Chad and Cheese. Brilliant! They talk about recruiting, they talk about technology, but most of all they talk about nothing. Nada niente. Um, anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Player, or wherever you listen to your podcast. We out! You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.